Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In today's episode, we're going to continue our series, The Preaching Lab. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, Episode 8. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. We began a series called The Preaching Lab, where we looked at how we can prepare sermons. And so in our last episode, we walked through a few steps of how we would begin the process of preparing sermons. We considered that we might be teaching or preaching in a youth class, a Sunday school class, or a youth service. Uh, And so we're looking at how we would do that topically. Uh, This is perhaps for somebody who is not preaching regularly, but perhaps somebody who is preaching uh, ever so often here and there. Uh, However, if you're preaching and teaching uh, consistently week by week, month by month, year after year, uh, I would consider uh, teaching a series, preaching a series, preaching through books of the Bible. And we're going to talk more about expository preaching in future episodes Uh, But I want us to look at if the opportunity, if you're a young minister, a young preacher, uh, and you are uh, just beginning uh, the early stages of your ministry, or perhaps you're not preaching all the time, uh, and so this is an opportunity for you to preach or teach in a Sunday school class, a youth service, a youth class, uh, or something of the sort. And so how we would prepare that type of sermon or lesson. And we looked at the first step that we need to pray. We need to Uh, seek the face of the Lord and seek His will and what He would have us to preach and teach. Uh, And we looked at the next next step of selecting a text. We're to preach the Word. We're not to preach what gets on our nerves. Uh, We're not to preach what is popular at the moment, but preach the Word. That's what 2 Timothy 4 and 2 says. We're to preach the Word and we're to be instant in season and out of season, whether you're in season preaching a lot or it's uh, you're not preaching quite as uh, quite as much, and it's kind of out of season, but you're to preach the Word. So our text should be found in Scripture. We don't begin with an illustration. We don't begin with uh, something that we've read somewhere else, but begin in the text. Pray and select the text. Preach the Word. Uh, I love a quote that I said in the last episode from John Wesley. I do not study the Bible to preach. I preach because I've studied the Bible. And so we need to study the Bible at all times, whether we're preaching or we're not preaching. Uh, and then we looked at the keys to text selection. We need to know the audience. Who are we teaching and preaching to? Uh, know the setting. Know the context of where you're preaching. And then you need to know the text. Uh, and we looked at considering the text uh, and how we could better um, uh, interpret the text and apply the text. And we have an episode on eight tips for cutting it straight, which you can find in the archives of the Cut It Straight podcast. And so we want to begin the next uh, lesson in our preaching lab uh, where we are studying and writing an outline or beginning the stages of creating an outline. Uh, Now that we've prayed, we've selected a text, we feel uh, led to preach and teach on something from Scripture, Uh, we're considering our audience, and so hypothetically we're teaching to uh, a youth class, a youth service, we're considering that we need to work considering the setting, and uh, now we're ready to begin in-depth study 
and writing out some notes and preparing an outline. Those previous steps should not be left out. We shouldn't go right into creating an outline or get right into uh, study. We should really pray and, and get direction from the Lord. Even if, we're, if we are preaching regularly and you are wanting to preach uh, verse by verse, book by book of the of the Bible, um, you should pray for direction where your church is at, where your youth group is at, uh, your discipleship group, your small group, whatever it is, uh, pray for direction. Uh, even if you're not doing it all the time, you need to pray and seek God. And so step three, step one was pray. Step two is we should uh, select the text. And step three is consider the scripture. We have a text as we begin uh, this is where I start looking at all the important things about the text. Uh, and as I talked about in the episode 8 Tips for Cutting It Straight, these principles will help you analyze the scripture for correct interpretation. And I'll quickly run through those. Consider the text. Number two, identify the literary genre. Number three, examine original languages. Number four, discern figures of speech. Number five, research the history. Number six, Survey the geography. Number seven, study the culture. And number eight, document the theology. So those are steps to help you accurately interpret Scripture. Now, we're not getting to commentaries yet. We're not getting into resources yet. You should be trying to answer these questions right now from Scripture. Uh, And a good study Bible will help you answer some of those questions as well. Uh, A good study Bible... I recommend is the English Standard Version Study Bible. It's a fantastic study Bible. It has a lot of great information uh, at the beginning of each Bible book that will help you answer these questions to help you get the context and the history. Uh, I also I really, really like the Zondervan uh, New International Version Study Bible, which is edited by D.A. Carson. Uh, there's some older Zondervan Study Bibles, but the newest one that came out, I think, just... Uh, Uh, in 2014 or 15, uh, is a fantastic resource to help you understand the text. Uh, Whether you like that translation or not is besides the point. There's uh, fantastic notes and study notes that will help you answer these questions. And so you're trying to answer those eight questions. Ask these questions as well. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Answer those questions as you are studying the text. Uh, Don't rush the part of reading the text. Don't rush the part of observing the the Bible text. Uh, We need to make sure that we are interpreting Scripture with Scripture. And so know where it's at in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Is it a gospel? Is it an epistle? Is it a prophet? Uh, Interpret it. Is this something that's fulfilled by Christ or something that will be fulfilled in His second coming? These are questions you need to know. And you can only get that by reading the text. Uh, Dr. Johnny James uh, gave this advice many years ago. Let the text preach itself. It's important that we do exegesis. Uh, we, we bring out of the text and we're not putting in our own interpretation of the text. Uh, and that will skew it. That will stretch it. We're trying to make it fit our idea or our thought. No, Let the text preach itself. Read, read, read. Read that text over and over again. Read it in several different translations. I begin with the King James Version, and then I go right to the English Standard. Uh, I then look at the New American Standard Bible. Then I like the New International Version. Uh, I try to stick with those 
four uh, translations at the front of my of my reading. Uh, and then I'll look at some paraphrases. I'll look at the Message Bible, the Living Bible, uh, that'll help me uh, maybe perhaps look at that scripture in a more modern language, which is very helpful if you're uh, teaching to young people. Uh, so read the text. Read it over and over again. Read that uh, that Bible book in one setting if it's uh, if you're able to do so or break it up in another a couple of days or a couple other settings or sittings. But read the text. Don't just rush this part here. It's important uh, that God speak to you through that text instead of going right to other resources, which we'll get to here in just a few moments. Uh, we need to keep the text in its rightful place. Uh, this helps you to become familiar with Scripture. Uh, and we shouldn't just pick a verse as a jumping-off point never to return. So you have a text, and you feel like you've got a thought for your text uh, to, to preach to, to your class, to your setting. But it's important that we're not using that just as a jumping-off point never to return. We need to interpret that Scripture. Uh, we need to know what that Scripture means. Uh, we need to know what it means accurately, and that's why you need to go back and listen to that episode, Eight Tips for Cutting It Straight. Uh, you need to know the hermeneutics. Uh, you need to know the history, the context. It's very important uh, to, to study the text, read the text, and interpret it, and don't let it just be the, the jumping off point. That's just where you begin never to return. That's the place where you should dig in, you should reach into the soil of that text, and bring out all the wonders uh, the, uh, the fruits of that text to share with your listeners. Uh, so then, so step three is to consider the scripture. Stay with it. Stick with that scripture for a little while. Read it in all kinds of different translations and get the accurate interpretation. Uh, step four, write it down. So we're not creating an outline, so to speak, just yet, but we are trying to write things down that we've been studying. As you are reading and studying, it's important to write those things down. Pen and paper are more reliable than your memory. This is where I begin to see the skeleton of the outline begin to take shape. As I'm gleaning from my studies and God is revealing and understanding uh, to my heart and to my mind, I, I write out some of those key points. It's important uh, at this point where I start to feel the thrust of what I'm wanting to convey to my listeners. Uh, it's the thesis or the main point I'm going to attempt uh, to communicate throughout my sermon. Uh, in his fantastic book, Biblical Preaching, uh, author Haddon Robinson talks about the importance of the big point. Uh, he says a sermon should be a bullet and not a buckshot, meaning there should be one main point in your sermon. Obviously, uh, there will be sub-points, but the idea is to have one main point. And Mr. Haddon Robinson says that that main point should also be able to be summed up in one sentence. If you could do that, everything else will be able to hang on that one point. And that one sentence uh, might become your title later on. What I do at this point, I, I, when I, I'm reading and I'm studying and I'm getting the, to the, I feel the, the, the point of my sermon or my lesson I try to sum that up as concise as I can. So one sentence, it should be able to be communicated in one sentence. And I try to write that sentence or that, that summary 
at the top of my notes, uh, or even in, sometimes in my actual sermon outline, I'll put that at the top of each page uh, to remind me that this is the point of my sermon. And I'll even say it uh, in my sermon. Uh, for instance, you must be born again. That's a great one-sentence summary of what Jesus is trying to say to Nicodemus in John 3. You must be born again. And when he asks, what do you mean that I must be born again? Jesus explains that one point. You must be born again. And so that's a great sentence. That's a great summary of what he's trying to say. Uh, And so as we're preparing our sermon and we're preparing our lesson, we should be able to sum up our one sentence or what we're trying to say in our sermon in one sentence. Uh, And so that helps your people to be reminded as they leave, what are they going to grab onto? What are they going to take away from your sermon? What is it that they are going to apply to their lines that they're going to remember Monday morning, that they're going to remember Thursday evening after they get off work? It's that one summary of what you said in your Sunday sermon or your Wednesday night Bible class, whatever it might be, can you sum up what you're trying to say in one sentence? Simplicity does not mean dumbed down. Simple thoughts can have profound effects. If your listeners can remember that one big point, that one sentence, that one simple idea, then you have done your part well. There's nothing wrong with being clear. God can use simplicity to change lives. You must be born again. That's echoed. That's echoed throughout the centuries that you must be born again. That's one sentence that has profound effects. So as you're studying and you're trying to peel off all the layers of your work to get to the core of your sermon, that's the big point. It takes time and effort, but it will be far worth it. So step four, write it down. Let me say this. I love pens and paper and notebooks. I'm a, I'm a fountain pen freak and paper freak. I love that stuff. Uh, I try to keep a pen and paper with me at all times. Uh, I love little notebooks, pocket notebooks. Uh, they're the field notes. Uh, I'll keep that in my back pocket or I'll keep it in my suit jacket. I've always got two or three pins on me. I'm kind of a, a geek that way uh, because you never know when a thought will come. You don't know if you might be listening to somebody else preach or teach and something comes uh, that could be beneficial to your lesson or to your sermon. Uh, you need to write those things down. Uh, or even if you do it digitally and you're out walking or running or you're at the store and you need to get it in your phone, write it down because don't trust your memory uh, to, 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 to be faithful, uh, to bring that stuff back to your mind when you're trying to prepare and finalize a sermon. I preached a sermon this past Sunday that I have been working on for about uh, at least eight weeks. I had a, an idea, a thought that God had been dealing with me about. And uh, I, I was at a camp meeting in North Carolina and I heard uh, something that I thought was very beneficial to my thought and to my lesson. And so I wrote it down and uh, I had some notes and other notebooks that were beneficial to me as I was finalizing that sermon, some that that went into uh, the final outline, some that did not. Uh, But the point is, you need to write stuff down wherever you are. If my wife goes shopping, I take my notebook and my iPad and my pens with me because if I might be sitting in the car waiting 
Uh, I'll try to write some stuff out. I'll try to uh, jot ideas down because I'm I'm always trying to keep my study and keep my my sermon thoughts and my lessons in my mind and meditate upon them. I don't do it all in one setting. I'll try to do it over several weeks. Uh, And so you need to write those things down. So step one, pray. Step two, select the text. Step three, uh, consider the scripture, study it. Step four, start writing things down. Uh, Start trying to come up with that one summary sentence. Step five, consulting resources. You've been reading the text, reading other translations. You've been asking questions of the text, and hopefully you've been able to answer those questions. Uh, You have a grasp of the scripture, and you're studying, and now you need to fill in the blanks. You're trying to give some flesh to the bones of your sermon. Now, sometimes uh, you can't answer a lot of those questions from the uh, the eight tips for cutting it straight without the help of consulting other resources. Uh, sometimes the answers are right there in front of you in the scripture. Uh, other times you're going to have to dig it out somewhere. Uh, the important thing to know is that consulting other resources uh, should not always be the first thing that you do. Do the labor yourself. Uh, but that's a very rewarding experience being able to spend time in the text with the scripture, uh, being able to answer those questions without the help of other resources and interpret. Uh, now, as you're getting to that point and you're needing to consult dictionaries and, and concordances and uh, commentaries, your interpretation should at least uh, be historically correct. Uh, Peter says scriptures have no private interpretation. You're not being able to do this by yourself. I'm going to read you a long quote here from Charles Spurgeon, who uh, is one of my favorite authors. He says this, and I quote, In order to be able to expound the scriptures, and as an aid to your pulpit studies, you will need to be familiar with the commentators, a glorious army, let me tell you, whose acquaintance will be your delight and profit. Of course, you're not such wiseacres as to think or say that you can expound scripture without assistance from the works of divines and learned men who have labored before you in the field of exposition. If you are of that opinion, pray, remain so. For you are not worth the trouble of conversion, and like a little cottery who think with you, would resent the attempt as an insult to your infallibility. It seems odd that certain men who talk so much of what the Holy Spirit reveals to them should think so little of what He has revealed to others. End quote. I love that. You do need to consult commentaries. Now, obviously, as apostolic Pentecostal preachers, the majority of the commentaries and study helps that we will resource, they're not going to agree with us on the oneness of God, on baptism in the name of Jesus, the infilling and baptism of the Holy Ghost with speaking with other tongues. They're not going to necessarily line up with us and agree with us on our lifestyle. However, take the meat, leave the bone. And let me say this. If you're not rooted and grounded in the doctrines of Scripture, in the oneness of God, in the new birth experience, you need to do so now. Go study that now. Put the time in to know that stuff now. So when you go to commentaries, 
Your faith is not disrupted and disturbed. I've seen a lot of good young men who are not rooted and founded and grounded in the doctrines, and they'll go to other commentaries and other sermons and even uh, things online, and it disrupts their faith, and they question, and they've been sold a bill of goods, of, and that's that's really just a bunch of doubt, and it ups, it upsets their faith, and it, and it nearly shipwrecks their ministry. So you need to know those things now. If those things are going to bother you, then get it settled in your mind now. It doesn't bother me. I, I know what I believe, and they're not going to change my mind. But however, I do need their aid in helping me interpret Scripture. Uh, I'm not so smart, and I'm not so spiritual to think that I don't need the help of other people. I heard Pastor John Voskos, who's been a great mentor to my life, say this. He said, when preachers get up and say they don't like to read, I can tell you how unenthused I am to hear them preach. If you're not going to read, and if you're not going to study, and you're not going to consult other commentaries, then just please do us a favor and not preach. Because you do need those things. You're not an island unto yourself. You do need to consult others. It will help you. It'll make you well-rounded. And even hearing those arguments uh, from a different perspective helps you and sharpens you. Iron sharpens iron. And so you do need to be able to consult other commentaries and other resources that may or may not agree with everything that you hold true as far as the faith. Now, I am going to give you some uh, resources that I recommend. I recommend the resources, but I'm not necessarily endorsing all that they believe. So, dictionaries. Dictionaries will help you study certain uh, truths, certain topics, such as repentance or uh, or, or justification. Uh, there's a lot of great dictionaries out there that will help you. I'm going to give you three. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, the Zondervan Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, and the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. And let me say, I'm going to put all of these in the show notes uh, and on my website so you can go and find these yourselves so uh, you don't have to frantically try to write these down as I'm telling them, telling these about uh, about these right now on the podcast. So those are the dictionaries, concordances, when you're studying certain words uh, that you're finding in the Old and New Testament, uh, you need to get a Strong's Concordance. Uh, this will help you uh, if there's a certain words you're looking up, such as repentance or baptism. This will help you find all the words that are used there in the Old and in the New Testament. And then you can use the little Strong's number. James Strong created this system with little numbers. And in the back of the concordance, they'll give you the definition of the different types of usages of those words, which is very beneficial uh, for you. And then there is the Vines Complete Expository of the Old and New Testament words. Uh, Again, he uses much of James Strong's number system, uh, but he will help put these words in the correct context. Uh, It's priceless for sermon. Uh, Sermon helps. Next, a handbook that a lot of people uh, recommend and I recommend. I try to give them to all of our young preachers I try to give them to all of our uh, disciples, our new our new converts. I give them a Haley's Bible Handbook. Uh, this is a fantastic uh, little handbook. It's not a commentary. It's not a dictionary, but it will go book by book, and it will help you kind of summarize all of the things going on in each Bible book. I recommend the, the Haley's Bible Handbook. You can find these 
all online on Amazon and eBay. You can get these really cheap. Uh, the Holman Bible Handbook. And then uh, you, need to, you need to get uh, some New Testament and some Old Testament surveys. There's too many for me to list. There's a lot of great New Testament and Old Testament surveys. Uh, then you can get uh, historical book surveys. You can get uh, poetic book surveys. You can get the gospel surveys. There's a lot on there. Uh, and there's a lot out there, excuse me, that you can find that will help you get a good overview of each testament and uh, give you the theology of those testaments as well. Uh, I'm going to give you some commentaries that I like. Um, uh, you will Some will agree, some won't, but here they are. <clears throat> I like Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. Uh, he was a Puritan, uh, but Sir, uh, Matthew Henry's commentary is fantastic for sermon help. He can say things, he can bring things out that will help you communicate your sermon and your lesson. Find the Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. Don't get the abridged or the concise version. Get the to get the whole the big ba- the big daddy Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. Uh, then I like this one. It's a little technical, uh, but it's not too technical, and but it's also a little bit devotional as well. That is the Expositor's Bible Commentary. The Expositor's Bible Commentary. Uh, get the newest version if you can. You can find those online as well. The Expositor's Bible Commentary. And let me say this. There are commentaries that are technical, that are dealing a lot with Greek words and Hebrew words. Uh, and then there are those on the other spectrum that are more devotional, which will deal sometimes with the the, the technical parts of the Greek and the Hebrew uh, but it's more or less pastoral commentaries that are going to help you prepare sermons. Uh, Matthew Henry, Henry's is going to be more devotional. Uh, you can sit down and read Matthew Henry's commentary uh, and, and truly enjoy it. Uh, the Expositor's Bible commentary is right in the middle between technical and devotional. It's fantastic. And then the, um, the I like this one as well. I used this quite a bit working in my bachelor's was the NIV application commentary. Uh, not all of them are created equal, uh, but the NIV application commentary, Old and New Testaments, they're they're really, really good commentaries. Again, it's right in the middle of devotional and technical, uh, but it's, fa- it's a fantastic commentary. Uh, then Warren Wiersbe has a few commentaries. He has one called the Bible Exposition Commentary. Uh, he also has one called the B, the B-E series, uh, Be Committed, Be Holy, and these are little paperbacks. Uh, you can find a lot of these that are for free online. Uh, both of those commentaries, the Bible Exposition Commentary and the B-Series by Warren Wiersbe. If you can find anything written by Warren Wiersbe, you need to find it and read it. Uh, he's really great. He deals. He understands being a pastor and what it means to, to preach to, to, to people every week. Uh, another old commentary is the Pulpit Commentary. Uh, it's, it's not technical. Uh, it's it's probably more on the devotional side, but what's great about the, the pulpit commentary, it'll give you the interpretation verse by verse, and then sometimes it'll give you some sermons uh, that have been preached in history from those texts you might be studying. If you can find the pulpit commentary, I highly recommend it. Also, a newer one, probably right in the middle again, probably leans more towards the devotional, is the Christ-centered exposition commentary. Uh, that's a really good commentary. They don't have all the books of the Bible, but there's several uh, that you can find. They're pretty uh, inexpensive as well. Let me give you some websites and some uh, applications and software that I recommend for studying. I really like this website called preceptaustin.org. 
It is a really, really fine resource of old commentaries, uh, dictionaries, study helps, word studies. PreceptAustin.org is really, really uh, fantastic uh, website. <coughs> uh, the uh, I like this one. If you're looking for the best commentary for the book you're studying, uh, go to bestcommentaries.com. It's pretty simple. Bestcommentaries.com. It'll give you a rundown of all the books of the Bible, and it'll give you a, a, a rating of which one is the highest, which one is the lowest, and it'll also uh, show you which ones are technical, which ones are pastoral, which ones are devotional. Uh, that way you know what you're getting into, and it will also give you all the websites where you can find those commentaries uh, to, to purchase. And so like Amazon or um, uh, ChristianBookDistributors.com, you can it'll give you all those listings, and I recommend trying to find these things used, don't buy new. And let me say this as well, uh, I don't work for Lifeway, I'm not sure where you, if where you live you might have a Lifeway Christian Bookstore, but Lifeway Christian Bookstores uh, will match any price that you find online as long as it's not a third-party seller. So what I do is uh, I'll try to find the best price online. If I know that Lifeway has it, they'll match it or they'll go they'll order it for me, and then I can still get this, the the really the really good price. That helps me to buy something if I want to buy it new if I can't find it used. Uh, that way I can get the best price possible and not have to pay for shipping. Now, I use two, uh, three programs, software Bible programs to help me study. Number one, I love uh, Logos Bible software. Uh, if you you could research the one you want to use, call them, they'll help you. They do have finance, I'm sorry, um, interest-free financing to help you buy uh, the software. And I'm telling you, if you... Uh, have the means, and you can put it in your budget each month uh, to do it. I highly recommend Logos Bible Software. Uh, the interface is so easy to use. I know there are a lot of PC Study Bible fans out there, but PC Study Bible is behind about 20 years because they won't get to Mac. So I had to change the Logos a few years ago, and uh, it's a wonderful program, and they got resources uh, by the millions, and so it's really helpful. I love that. I use that every time I prepare sermons. Another one's less expensive. It has a lot of the same resources as Logos is the Word Search Bible software. Uh, the difference is Logos is a lot easier to use. It's a lot prettier to use on the interface of your Mac. Um, Word Search is kind of clunky, but it's uh, really cheap. Um, they have a lot of the same resources as well. It's not as um, user-friendly as far as on your uh, your, your desktop or your laptop as Logos, uh, but it's really good. They usually have better prices sometimes, uh, so I kind of compete between the two and see which ones I can find at a better price if there's a certain commentary, dictionary, book. And they usually have a lot better sales too at Word Search. And I'll say this, Logos and Word Search have uh, iPad and iPhone apps. You can use those, so whatever you have on your computer, you bought from them commentaries, you can get it on your iPad and on your phone. Uh, and so if you're on the go, you're on the fly, I can have all my stuff there as well. It's a really great resource. Uh, Olive Tree Bible app, uh, the same thing. They do have a, uh, a, an app for the Mac on them. Sorry, the, yeah, for the, the for the desktop and the iPad and the iPhone. A lot of people like Olive Tree. I think they're just a little bit on the expensive side, but it'll help you as well. Uh, and so I know this is a little bit longer website, or I'm sorry, a little bit longer podcast episode, but I've had a lot of people tell me, make it longer, Nate, make it longer. And so uh, I'm trying to get 
some stuff into this one because it's been a few weeks since I've recorded a podcast. I want to give you one more step in our preparation in the preaching lab, and that is outlining. You've been praying, reading, studying, consulting, and writing. Uh, Now comes the important part of creating an outline. Bishop Billy McCool, my grandfather-in-law and my bishop, says this, Know what you're going to preach. Just don't preach all that you know. All the information that you've accumulated is important. However, it's important to know that preaching is not an information dump. Of all that you've studied, you need to make sure you can start paring back. You're not giving everything that you've studied uh, in your sermon. You have to know how to, com- to communicate what you've prayed and studied about. And so we, we will get to trimming uh, down our, all that information in our next preaching lab. But for now, we need to start considering the outline. Remember that one sentence summary statement will help you keep focused on what you're trying to communicate. Uh, If you can keep that one sentence in the forefront of your outlining, then you will have an easier time creating the outline. And not only that, it will help you to communicate clearly to your listeners. So this is what I try to do as far as an outline. Uh, I'll try to put this in the sermon note, I'm sorry, in the show notes as well. I start off with an introduction. I read my text, then I have my introduction. And whether I try to sum up uh, that, what I'm trying to say in the introduction, it, it depends on the setting. So I have an introduction. A lot of people like to begin with an illustration. Uh, I like, for me, I like trying to give the context uh, of, what I'm, of, of the text that I'm preaching from first. I try to do that and try to build that's just me. I like to, to build the set. I like to build the setting before I get to it. Uh, some liken this to a porch going into the house. Uh, just make sure your porch isn't bigger than your house. Uh, your introduction should grab their attention, and we'll talk more about that later. But I start with introduction, and then I go to point one. Uh, I'll, I may have a sub point, and then I have point two. Uh, I might have a sub point or two or three sub points under that. Uh, then I, you know, if I have a, another point and then a sub point and then a conclusion, I'm the point with my outline is this, is that I'm trying to be clear and know where I'm going, and the clearer I am to myself, the clearer I will be to my listeners. If it's muddy to you, it will be muddy to them, and if it's not coming through to you as you're studying and outlining, if you're not trying, if it's not speaking to you of what you're trying to say you need to understand it will not be clear to your people. So be clear in your outline. What I usually try to do as well when I'm writing out my outline, I make it simple. I I make it simple. I I like to alliterate my sermon outline. Some people think that's hokey, uh, and some people kind of throw off on that, but um, I like it. It helps me stay organized and where I'm going. Uh, And so the same will will be beneficial to you. However, you can make it as simple as you can. One point, two point, three point, end. Whatever it might be, make it clear to you and then it'll be clearer to your people. So uh, your introduction is just as important as the conclusion. Uh, Some think more about the conclusion than the intro. But if you fail to communicate in the intro, you're not going to keep your people to the conclusion. So uh, some like a quick intro a long, a long middle and a short outro, but you know, you just got to do what's right for your people in the moment. Um, and remember that it's not an information dump. We're not trying to give everything that we've studied in one 45 minute sermon. 
but we're trying to communicate God's truth to God's people. And we're trying to change minds and change hearts. And so as you're praying, as you're studying, keep the faces of your people in your mind. Think about them. Think about where they are. Think about how they could respond to what you're saying. Remember what we talked about in Ecclesiastes. The preacher sought out acceptable words. And so as you're preparing your outline, you're trying to choose the right words to say, the, to, to say it in the right tone so it comes across as God's truth and not just my words. We're not trying to dazzle people with our intellect. We're not trying to dazzle people with our giftings and our skills. We're trying to convert hearts with God's Word. And so it's very important that as we're studying and we're creating the outline, we're keeping that in the forefront of our hearts and in our minds. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information, visit my website, nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at nswhitley.com. And be sure to like my page and share my page on Facebook, N.S. Whitley.